Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest for this third of three podcasts is Dr. Rebecca Poole, director of research at the Rudd Center and also director of weight stigma initiatives. In the first podcast we recorded, we talked about the extent of bias and its impact on people. We talked about solutions in the second podcast, and in this one, we'll talk about policies and how they might get applied and maybe the application of the law to the issue of weight bias. So welcome back, Rebecca. Thank you. Um, let's first start talking about some of the, the things that government is doing on trying to address the obesity issue and how the issue of weight stigma comes into play. And there's one very noteworthy and visible case uh, being uh, taking place in Georgia, and I was hoping you could tell us about that. Sure. Well, you know, in the past couple of years, we have seen multiple national public health campaigns emerge to address obesity. And, and all of these campaigns, I think, have good intentions of trying to increase awareness of obesity and, and really trying to provide support. However, some of these campaigns have been very misguided and have instead been criticized for actually reinforcing stigma towards people who are obese. And the example that you mentioned is uh, one from Georgia, which is the Georgia Children's Health Alliance campaign to address childhood obesity. And th- this campaign was very visible. It involved a series of billboards and commercials that depicted very um, black and white images of children with warning labels that said things like, um, big bones didn't make me this way, big meals did, or um, stocky and chubby are, are still fat and things like that. And and these kinds of messages were really um, perceived by, by public health officials and parents to be very stigmatizing in the wrong way to increase awareness about obesity. Um, now, I, this this kind of tactic is actually, unfortunately, becoming more common. And so in some of our research at the Rudd Center, we've tried to study this to see, well, you know, how does the public react to these kinds of, of campaigns? Do they think they're stigmatizing and what impact does this have on their behavior? And what we have found is that people do indeed uh, perceive campaigns like Georgia to be very stigmatizing and harmful, and and they feel that this type of approach is not motivating for health, um, and that instead what's interesting is campaigns that really don't even mention obesity at all, but focus instead on specific health behaviors that people can engage in, like increasing fruit and vegetable consumption, are are much more motivating. And so what this tells us is that we need to pay careful consideration to the kinds of messages that we are disseminating in our efforts to address obesity. And we need to remember that we're trying to fight obesity and not obese people, uh, which is sometimes unfortunately happening in, in some of these campaigns. So going back to the Georgia campaign, obviously it's a well-meaning group trying to do something positive about public health, but taking I guess what you would consider a misdirected approach to it. And could you make the argument that a campaign like this might, in fact, motivate some people to do better, but it might have a negative impact on even more people and could actually make the obesity problem worse rather than better? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we have found and and many others have found in, in research in this area is that when people feel shamed or stigmatized about their weight, they are actually more likely to engage in unhealthy eating behaviors and other avoidance of physical activity that reinforce weight gain, that that impair their efforts to lose weight. You know, I think this really highlights the fact that stigma is not an effective public health tool uh, to try to motivate change here. And we need to be disseminating messages that are really providing support to individuals who are, are struggling with their weight. So I'm assuming you would recommend then that there be policies either enacted or even if just communicated 
as a matter of course to people, um, prohibiting the use of stigmatizing messages and images and things like that in these public health campaigns toward obesity. That, that's certainly something that would be very helpful. I mean, if we consider stigma towards other groups, whether it's uh, stigmatization towards religious groups or stigma, stigma towards individuals with different sexual orientation, this kind of messaging would lead to an uproar, and we would not see it happen again. And we need to raise the standards here with obesity, that this is a legitimate form of stigma discrimination, and we need to have the same kinds of policies in place. You know, another policy area that's being discussed at least a little bit in the context of weight stigma is that of bullying. Yes. What's going on with that? Well, you know, we're seeing a lot of increasing attention to bullying in youth across the country, and this has resulted in national campaigns and even government attention to this. Bullying towards youth is a huge problem, but what we see that is absent from this discussion is is mention of weight-based bullying. Now, that's really concerning because we know that weight-based bullying is one of the most common forms of teasing and bullying at school, so we need to make sure that it is not absent from the agenda. Um, A lot of schools and school districts do have anti-bullying policies in place, but oftentimes weight-based bullying gets ignored and it's not included. We see um, research with overweight students who say that they feel that school-based policies related to weight-based bullying or bullying are not being enforced when it comes to body weight. So we need to find ways to really strengthen existing policies to address bullying, to make sure that overweight students are protected like other students. So would it be true that um, one child bullying another child because of their race or something um, would be handled differently by these educational systems, let's say, than if the same sort of bullying were going on, but it was because of weight. You know, it's certainly possible. I don't know that that's been systematically studied yet, but but certainly what we're seeing from reports of, of children and families is that this is a huge concern. In fact, parents of children who are overweight rate bullying to be their top health concern above things like neighborhood safety and things like that. So we see that this is a big concern for parents and kids, and we need to find ways to address it more effectively in the school setting. And you'd mentioned in one of the earlier podcasts that weight-based bullying is quite prevalent. That's right. In one of our studies, we found that among adolescents, weight-based bullying was found to be the most common form of bullying at school, even above um, bullying due to sexual orientation and race and and other uh, types of situations like that. So, you know, this is something that needs to be taken very seriously, and, and currently it's really not on the radar. Are there any signs that the groups that work on bullying are starting to consider weight? There are. We see groups like the National uh, Bullying Prevention Center, uh, the Pacer Center, and other groups across the country who are recognizing that this is an issue that we need to pay attention to and that we need to treat it as a legitimate form of bullying along the other more common other forms of bullying that more traditionally get press attention. Yet another area that is starting to get a tiny bit of attention is the application of law to the whole issue of weight-based discrimination. Are there laws? Currently, there are no federal laws in the United States to prohibit weight-based discrimination, which means it's legal to discriminate. There is one state, which is the state of Michigan, which has a law to prohibit weight discrimination in the context of employment and housing. And there are a couple of local jurisdictions and cities scattered across the country. But for the most part, there really is no effective legal outlet for people who have been discriminated against because of their weight. Having said that, we do see some increasing public support and interest for laws that would do this. So we've done some research with national samples of Americans and asked them what kinds of laws they would support to prohibit weight-based discrimination. 
what we find is that when it comes to laws that would um, extend protections to obese people similar to individuals with disabilities, that the American public is not not so keen on, on those kinds of laws. However, when we start looking at laws like civil rights laws and adding body weight as a protected category alongside things like sex or age or race, we see increasing support with about over 50% of the population supporting those efforts. Where we see the strongest support are for laws that would specifically address weight discrimination in the context of employment settings. So laws that would make it illegal for an employer to refuse to hire or assign lower wages to a person because of their body weight. And there we see as much as 80% of women and over 65% of men would support those laws. So I do think that we are getting closer to a time um, where public support is increasing. And, you know, we really, we may need to be looking at this as as a realistic solution. Um, you know, there's a lot of different efforts that are going on in our society. To, to try to address this, but we don't know whether there'll be enough, and legislation is, is certainly um, an important consideration. You mentioned Michigan has such a law. Are there rumblings in other states of interest about this? Massachusetts has has tried to get legislation through a couple of times on this and has not yet been successful, but um, I'm hopeful that we'll see more efforts like that take place. <clears throat> so how important do you think policy changes in general here? I mean, we could just hope that public attitudes change with time, but do you think policies are important? I think policies are absolutely critical. You know, when we look at other forms of stigma in our history related to race or gender, um, you know, these are issues that really required policy and legislative changes to make real change happen. And I think the same is true here with obesity. You know, if I think back to my own um, earlier years the, about the discussion of, of with regard to affirmative action, that there was a time when people lampooned it, made fun of it, dismissed it, thought it was really serious, uh, silly. But then as time went on, those sort of attitudes got internalized in people. And then people thought, well, it's really not fair to judge somebody based on their race and they people deserve equal opportunity and the like. Do you see that kind of thing happening potentially with bullying law? I mean, not bullying laws, but weights, discrimination laws? I do. I think we're starting to see a slow progression already. I mean, if, if I think 10 years ago, the kind of press attention that we saw back then with weight discrimination was, was very, very little. And throughout the last 10 years, we've seen a lot of increase and in an increased attention, more discussion, more debate. And I think that's a good sign. I think that more people are talking about it, more people are affected by it. And so I think that the time is ripe for having these discussions. You know, I think you you might have just answered my question that I was going to ask last, but if I look at what's happening in the weight stigma area, it seems to me there's reason to be optimistic. You and others have created a tremendous scientific base showing how much stigma there is, what impact it has on people, materials you've developed on what can be done about it in medical, educational, family settings, and the like. And now there's more and more talk in policy settings, so it seems like there's a lot, lot of reason to be optimistic that something might be moving in a positive direction, but I was just wondering if you shared that optimism. I do. I do think there's reason to be optimistic. I think that, you know, this is a very big challenge to try to essentially shift societal attitudes and to change kind of the automatic attitudes that so much of our public has, but we are seeing different areas of success and progress, and, and I think that, especially with policy, we'll see more of that. Well, thank you for joining us. This is an area of tremendous importance, has a tremendous effect on the lives of the individuals. 
who are victimized by stigma, um, and it has big social consequences as well. So I appreciate you sharing this with us. Thanks, Kelly. So our guest is Dr. Rebecca Poole, Director of Research and Director of Weight Stigma Initiatives at the Rudd Center. Please visit our website for a variety of resources uh, available at no cost, of course, on weight stigma, but a variety of other issues related to food policy as well. The website is www.yalerudcenter.org. Thank you.